0: We praise Allah and we seek His assistance and forgiveness. And we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whomever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray. And whomever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his slave servant and his messenger. With these few words of introduction, we begin the second in our series of lectures concerning the explanation of the... Of Al Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, Rahimahullah, entitled Usul al Sunnah. Let us begin first by mentioning in brief a summary of the points which we discussed in the last lecture. We mentioned, first of all, the need to recognize the importance of increasing one's knowledge. And secondly, we mention the importance of evidence and proof for whatever we say in terms of our beliefs as well as our practices and our methodology in implementing the instructions of the Quran and the Sunnah. Third, we mention the importance of al-aqidah, that is the Islamic creed or the Islamic faith or system of beliefs. And we said that Al-Aqidah, it is the fundamentals of the religion as compared to Al-Fiqh, Islamic jurisprudence, which is secondary or the branches of the religion. The Islamic creed is the foundation and the Islamic jurisprudence is the branches of the religion. So the Aqidah is more important even than the Islamic jurisprudence or fiqh we also said that there was a need to know the scholars who are the scholars of the Ahl Sunnah the people of Sunnah and Jama'ah and we mentioned in light of that a brief sketch of some of the great scholars of Islam those four Imams who the schools or the madhahib of Islamic jurisprudence follow. that is, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa Al-Imam Malik Al-Imam Shafi'i, and Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal, Rahimahum Allah. May Allah have mercy on all of them. We also gave an outline of the topic or the curriculum that we expect to cover during the course of the next 10 weeks, insha'Allah. And we mentioned the importance of al-ikhlas or sincerity. And we should always remind ourselves that our intention here is to learn the correct beliefs and the correct practice of Islam in order to practice it. We are learning in order to implement and our knowledge has an objective and that objective is to practice the religion according to what Allah intended for us. During the comments last week we began reading from the text of the book and we explained the meaning of usul, and we explained the meaning of sunnah here in this book usul sunnah meaning the foundation that which other things are built upon or the roots from which other things branch out from and we said that sunnah here means the aqidah or the belief system or faith and it means the way or the methodology of the Prophet sallallahu and his companions radiallahu anhum ajma'in. may Allah be pleased with them all we also mentioned some of the other meanings of sunnah that sunnah means the opposite of bid'ah, innovation and sunnah also means the opposite of fard or wajib, that which is obligatory and sunnah means that which is it can also refer to that which is not found in the Qur'an, we say it is from the sunnah this is in brief what we talked about last week and uh, we also mentioned when Imam Ahmed said, Sunnah indana, that the foundations of the sunnah with us, he means with us, he means the scholars and the people of Ahli As-Sunnah Wal-Jama'ah, the people who follow strictly the sunnah or the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and stick to the main group of the Muslims, not deviating into sects or parties. We also explained the definition of Sahabi, what is the meaning of Sahabi companion of the Prophet and uh, now inshallah we will continue from there by mentioning inshallah this evening the two important principles which Imam Ahmed begins the book with and these two principles or these two foundations they are two great, tremendous, very important fundamental principles they are foundations upon which the religion is built and from which the Islamic aqidah and methodology are derived. Those two foundations are adhering to the way of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu the sahaba. Adhering or sticking to their way, their understanding and their practice. And the second of those principles is avoiding al-bid'a or innovation. Al-Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, he begins the book with these words. Usool as-sunnah indana bima kana alayhi ashabu rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The fundamental principles of the sunnah with us are holding fast to what the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were upon. وَالْإِقْتِدَعُ bihim, and taking them and their way as a model to be followed this is the first principle holding fast to the way of the companions and taking them as a model then he says وَتَرْقُ الْبِدْعِ وَكُلُّ بِدْعَةٍ فَهِيَ ضَلَالَةٌ the abandonment or avoiding of innovations newly invented matters and every innovation is misguidance it is that which leads astray وَتَرْكُ الْخُسُومَاتِ the abandonment of controversies وَتَرْكُ الْجُلُوسِ مَا أَصْحَابِ الْأَحْوَى the abandonment of sitting with the people of Ahwa desires those who follow their own opinions and feelings وَتَرْكُ Mirai وَالْجِدَالِ وَالْخُسُومَاتِ فِي الدِّين and the abandonment of quarreling argumentation and controversy in the religion and then he says وَالسُنَّةُ عِنْدَنَا آثَارُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And the sunnah with us are the آثار or the narrations, the ahadith of the messenger of Allah صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And goes on to explain the status or the position of the sunnah and its relation to the Qur'an. Inshallah, we hope to discuss at least the two important principles that Imam Ahmed begins with uh, and some clarification of the evidences related to those two principles to prove their legitimacy and their importance to the Muslim Ummah. The first of those principles, as Imam Ahmed said, is adhering to or sticking to that which the companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam followed, that which they were upon. Here Imam Ahmed Rahimahullah explains and lays down the guidelines or the guiding landmarks for the correct methodology the, the methodology or the minhaj which was followed by the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jamaah and that is the methodology of the best and most excellent of mankind the companions of Muhammad sallallahu and those who followed them the tabi'in, and those who followed them atba'i he means here that the correct minhaj is the menhaj of the best of mankind and the best of mankind first and foremost are the companions of the prophet sallallahu and their students their followers the tabi'een and the students of their students at ba'a tabi'een the ahl sunnah wal jama'ah cling to that which the first three generations of muslims were upon they are known as as salaf as sali or the righteous predecessors, those who came before us, they are our early generations and they are the best of this ummah, the most righteous of them and the best of them in knowledge. And their excellence, the first three generations, the companions and their students and the students of their students, their excellence has been testified, has been testified to by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam as well as by the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an. And Surah Al-Tawbah, the ninth chapter of the Quran and 100th verse, verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That is, those who came before us, the foremost and the first of the Ummah, those who migrated first, the Muhajireen, who migrated from Mecca to Medina, fleeing for the sake of Allah from the enemies of Islam in order to practice their religion, the muhajireen. And those who helped them in Medina, the Ansar. And those who followed them in goodness or in righteousness, following their way. Yani the first of our ummah, the muhajireen, the immigrants, the Ansar, the helpers, and those who followed their way, exactly. Practicing what they practiced and believing as they believed, Allah says, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا عنه وَاَعَدَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ فَجَرِي تَحْتَحَ الْأَنْهَارِ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ That these people, Allah is pleased with them and they are pleased with Him and Allah has prepared for them gardens underneath which rivers flow and they will abide in it forever and that is the greatest achievement. For the greatest success, this is the testimony of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for the first generation of the Muslims from amongst those who migrated from Mecca to Medina, the Muhajirun, as well as those who helped them in Medina who believed in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi from amongst the people of the Medina, the Ansar. And He added to them those who follow, who came after them and followed their way. Allah is pleased with them, and they are pleased with Him, and Allah has prepared for them gardens in paradise they will abide in it forever and this is the greatest success this is the testimony of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the Prophet sallallahu in the authentic hadith narrated in Al-Bukhari and Muslim on the authority of Ibn Mas'ud he said "Khairun nasi the best of all humanity are my generation the best of all mankind or the Muslims from amongst his generation, that means the Sahaba. ثُمَّ الَّذين, الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ Then those who followed them, and then those who followed them, meaning the students of Sahaba, the Tabi'un, and the students of the students of Sahaba, the Atba tabiin So the Prophet Wasallam affirmed here in this hadith that the best of all mankind, are the Muslims, the believers from his generation, and then those from the next generation, and those from the next generation. In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ said, خَيْرُ Ummati, That the best of my ummah, of the Muslim ummah, خَيْرُ أُمَّةِ قَرْنِي ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُ ثُمَّ that the best of this ummah is my generation, then those who came after them, and then those who came after them. And the Prophet in this hadith went on to say, That there would be some people who would come forward to testify even though they have not been requested to testify. And they would make uh, promises or vows. Uh, they would uh, be given trust and they would not keep their trust and they would make promises or vows and they would violate those promises or those vows as regards the following generations after the first three as mentioned in the second part of this hadith it becomes clear that they have not been praised with any specific evidence or excellence but on the contrary in general they have been spoken of illly or in a bad way by the Prophet. That is, the generations after the first three, they would not be like the first three in excellence, in righteousness and in following the instructions of Allah and the way of the Prophet. Indeed, in some authentic narrations, after mentioning the excellence of the first three generations, the Prophet even said, Then there will come a people in whom fatness will appear appear. From overeating, not fatness that is the result of someone having a physical, medical problem. But from overeating, from greed, fatness will appear in them and they will testify without having been asked to do so. And in another narration, the Prophet wasallam in a hadith that's recorded in the... Uh, book of At-Tabarani and that hadith is Hassan he said, then there will come a people in whom you will find no good at all. From this we can see the difference between the first generations of the Muslims how they have been uh, praised by Allah in the Quran and how they have been praised by the Prophet ﷺ in the authentic hadith. So it is the first three generations the righteous predecessors who have been praised with an excellence and whose path is to be followed and whose understanding of the deen is to be accepted and affirmed. Aisha radiallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in a hadith recorded in the Sahih of Muslim, she said, قَالَ رَجُلٌ ya رَسُولَ اللَّهُ أَيُّ النَّاسِ khayrun he said, a man said, O Messenger of Allah, which of the people are the best? Who are the best of people? The Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Qarn, Al-Ladi, Fihi, ثم الثاني, ثم الثالث. He answered that the best people, the best of the people is those or the generation that I am amongst then the second generation after them and then the third generation so the Prophet sallallahu made it very clear that there are three generations whose excellence has been affirmed and it is the first of these generations, the companions, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum who were the foremost in excellence from amongst mankind since number one, they learned the deen, they memorized the Quran and they understood the instructions of Allah, the commands and prohibitions directly from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa They heard it directly from him. They witnessed the revelation as it was re- being revealed and they knew the circumstances under which the ayat or the verses of Quran were revealed. They also understood the Arabic language, the pure Arabic language in which the Qur'an was revealed. They understood the language so that they could know perfectly the meaning and if they misunderstood anything, then the Prophet ﷺ was amongst them to correct them. He was amongst them that they might ask him about what they didn't understand and so their understanding, they got it directly from the Messenger of Allah ﷺ and if they made any mistake, they had him there to correct them, to correct their errors. They also were the best in character as affirmed by the Quran and the Sunnah and as affirmed by the fact that they have been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself to be the companions of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. No one was able to choose himself to live in that time, to be a believer in that time. It was only by Allah's choice that those people specifically were chosen to be the companions of the best, of the prophets and messengers, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa So they were the best of the people in understanding and in practice, and they had more right that they should be followed as a model and as an example, as al-Imam Ahmed and others of the scholars of Islam have instructed us and advised us that we should follow the way of the companions of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Also Allah said in the Quran in Surah An-Nisa chapter 4 verse 115 that which makes us to know, although it is misunderstood by many that it isn't sufficient to say we follow the Quran and we follow the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi it is not sufficient only to follow the Quran and Sunnah because the Sunnah explains the Quran as Imam Ahmed goes on to say later in this book in which we will discuss in future talks, insha'Allah, the Sunnah explains the Quran, and also that which is not clear to us from the Quran and the Sunnah is explained to us by the understanding and by the practice of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu whom Allah testified to their goodness, and the Prophet sallallahu also testified to their goodness and their practice of the religion, and Allah says in this ayah, making us to know. The importance of following the way of the companions. He said, "Wa min Rasul ma whoever contradicts or opposes the Prophet sallallahu the messenger, after the guidance has been made clear to them, whoever is in contradiction to the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam after the guidance has been made clear to them وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ and they follow a way other than the way of the believers and the believers to whom Allah refers to is none other than those who were present at the time of the revelation of the Quran that is the companions of the Prophet they are the mu'minun that Allah refers to here whoever follows other than the way of the believers, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُصْلِهِ جَهَنَّمْ وَسَاءَتْ مصيره. Then we will turn them to that which they turn themselves and cause them to enter the hellfire, and evil is that hellfire as a destination. It was sufficient for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to warn us from opposing the way of the Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but he didn't leave it at that. But Allah Himself, Subhanahu wa Taala, made it clear for us that not only must we be in uh, in accordance with and in agreement to the way of the Prophet, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but we must also follow the sabeel or the way of the mu'mineen. This is the condition that Allah has set for us to not be in contradiction to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and also to not follow any way other than the way of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam whoever would do so, Allah would turn them to that which they want to be turned to if they seek to oppose the Prophet and follow other than the way of the Sahaba then that means they want to be on misguidance so Allah turns them to that which they turn themselves and cause them to enter the Hellfire. And evil is it as a destination. Also, it is mentioned in the Sahih of Muslim on the authority of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu anhu. The hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in which he said that the stars are the custodians for the sky. So when the stars pass away, that which has been decreed for the sky will come, to, will come upon it. The stars are the custodians for the sky. He said, I am the custodian for my companions. So when I pass away, they will come upon my companions that which is decreed for them. And then he said, and my companions are the custodians for my ummah. So when my companions pass away, that which has been decreed upon my ummah will come to pass or will come upon it. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam made us to know the importance of the stars that they are a means of guidance to help the people to guide them and show them the way and so also the Prophet is the guide for his companions those who believed in him and followed him and the companions are a guide or custodian for his Ummah. The companions they are our example Allah has made it obligatory on us to follow their way, to look at how they understood the Quran and how they understood the instructions of the Prophet وسلم, to take them as a model, to emulate them, and to seek to be like them as they sought to be like the Prophet of Allah. The Messenger of Allah an authentic hadith that's narrated in the Sunnah of Abi Dawood. He said, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِيشْ مِنْكُمْ فَسَيَرَىٰ اِخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا That verily those amongst you who live for a long time, who live after me, فَسَيَرَىٰ اِخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Then you will see much difference of opinion. This is a prophecy from the Prophet wasallam making us to know that after his time the people would differ in many issues. The most important or the most dangerous of that in which they would differ are the matters of belief. The Islamic belief system, the Islamic aqidah because this is the foundation of Islam and no matter what we do of our deeds, whether we perform the prayers correctly in the correct manner or fast in the correct manner or perform pilgrimage according to the rites of pilgrimage correctly there's no benefit from it if we don't believe in Allah correctly. If our aqidah, which is the foundation or the basis of our actions, is spoiled or ruined or corrupted, then the actions bring no benefit. And that's why the disbelievers who don't believe in Allah, whatever good they do, their reward is in this life, but there's no reward for them in the next life. Because the reward in the next life is only for those who believe in Allah correctly and then do good deeds. So the Prophet sallallahu made us to know that those who lived after him they would see much difference of opinion he said the solution for this what should we do he said then it is obligatory upon you to follow my sunnah and also the sunnah of the rightly guided Khalifa or Khalifas or the Khulafa, those who were the leaders of the Muslims after the passing of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that is Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum ajma'in. He ordered us, alaykum, it is incumbent on you, or obligatory upon you to follow my sunnah and also to follow the sunnah of the Khulafa rashid deen. That again is to make us to know, to emphasize, as Allah emphasized in the Qur'an, that it is, isn't enough for someone to say, "I will follow the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, without looking to the understanding and the implementation of that sunnah as it was implemented by his students, by his companions, by his followers, the sahaba, radhiyallahu anhum ajma'in, and the first and foremost of them, the best of this ummah, as has been testified by all the scholars of Islam, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali, radhiyallahu anhum ajma'in. He said. It is incumbent on you to follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the Khulaf al-Rashidin. Hold on to it tightly. Hold on to it tightly with your Mola teeth. Yani bite on to it and hold to it, adhere to it, and don't let it uh, get away from you. Hold on to this sunnah carefully. Can you show him? Also, the Prophet sallam in the hadith in which he described the fact that as the Jews were divided into 71 sects and the Christians were divided into 72 sects, then he said, "Also, my ummah would be divided, would be split up into parties and sects, people differing." As he said in the first hadith, that the people would see much difference, iktilaf and Then, when the people differed, they separated into different groups and parties, as did the. Uh, people from the previous nations he said that all of these sects all of these different parties that they would be in the hellfire except one in that hadith uh, the prophet sallallahu said all of them kulluha finnar illa wahida and when the people asked him which is which is that one that wouldn't be in the fire he said al-jamaa in one hadith and in another hadith he said hiya ma ana al-yawm wa ashabi that means that those people from amongst the Ummah of Islam who would be divided into 73 sects that all of them would be going into the fire of course the Muslims would not remain in the fire because whoever believed who died on Tawheed believing in the oneness of Allah whatever deeds that they did which justify them being punished in the hell fire after Allah punished them if he didn't forgive them then after he punished them then they would uh, come out from the fire and they would also enter their place in the paradise. The Prophet though said those people who deviated would be in the fire, all of them except one. And he said that one is those who are following or those who are sticking to that which I am upon, my way and also the way of my yani, ashabi, my companions. So again this hadith makes us to know if there is any doubt in our mind that it isn't sufficient to say I'm following the Sunnah, but we must acknowledge, we must recognize the status and the place of the companions of the Messenger of Allah and this also makes us to know the evil of those people who reject the companions of the Prophet, all of them or most of them and the, and the group who is most well known for that are the Rafidah or the Shia who declared that the majority of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu went astray they deviated and in fact they said they went out of Islam and became disbelievers. But here the Prophet ﷺ is making as a condition that we follow that which he was practicing and that which his companions were practicing and understanding of Islam. Also, the great companion of the Prophet ﷺ who was one of the most knowledgeable of them in the knowledge of the Qur'an, particularly in the reasons for the revelation of the Quran that is Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud أنه, He said minkum من Ashabi Muhammad Sallallahu that whoever would look to someone as an example, to follow their example or to go in their way, then you should look to the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Fainnahum Kanu, Abarra Harihi, Al Ummah, they were the most pure or righteous of this ummah in terms of the heart, their hearts were the most pure. and they were in terms of knowledge, they had the greatest knowledge or the deepest of knowledge. and they were the least of those who are uh, in backwardness or in those who fell behind who failed who fail to step forward and do that which they were uh, obligated to do. aqwamaha And they were in terms of guidance they were the straightest or the most perfect in guidance. ahsanaha halan, And their condition in general was the best of this Ummah the companions of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, in knowledge in righteousness the purity of heart and guidance and in every condition they were the best. Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud said قَوْمًا Ikhtarahumullah. They are a people whom Allah has chosen. Lisuhbati, Nabihi, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah has chosen them to be the companions of His Prophet, Faarafu Lahum, Fadlahum. So acknowledge and admit their virtuous، their vir- their uh, superiority or their virtues, what fi ruhum and follow them. In their ways and that which they left behind for us. فَإِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا عَلَى الْهُدَى الْمُسْتَقِيمِ For verily they were following the guidance that is straight. And finally, the, one of the great imams of the early generations of the Muslims, Al Imam Al Barbahari, he wrote in his book Sharh al Sunnah or the explanation of Sunnah or explanation of the creed. He said, bil بالآثار. وَأَهْلِ الْآثَارِ that it is incumbent on you to follow the آثَار or the narrations of the Prophet and the ways of his companions yani the traditions follow the traditions the correct traditions and the people of traditions those who stick to the traditions واياهم فَاسْأَلْ وَمَعَهُمْ فَجْلِسْ فَاقْتَسِبْ فَاقْتَبِسْ that is that these people exclusively you should act or seek from and with them you should sit to learn from and from them you should take from that which they have offered to us. These few proofs from the Quran and from the Sunnah and from the sayings of the companions of the Prophet wasallam and the scholars of the early generations of the Muslims make us to know and to understand the importance and the correctness of this first principle which Imam Ahmed has given to us, that is That is that we must hold fast to we must adhere to, we must cling to that which the companions of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, were upon don't let anyone deceive us, don't let anyone fool us making us believe that there is no need to follow the way of the companions, that they are men and we are men that they have their understanding and we have our understanding but in fact they are special. Allah has affirmed this the Prophet sallallahu wasallam has affirmed this and the proofs are so many to make us to know of their superiority and their virtues and that it is an obligation for us to look to how they implemented and understood that which was revealed in the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the second of those great principles which Al-Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah, has given to us in this book, Usulu Sunnah. And if we can understand these two principles alone, it is sufficient for us, inshallah to base everything else upon them and to be guided correctly. He said, الْبِدَعِ فَهِيَ ضَلَالَةٌ That is, the second of those principles is abandoning or leaving, avoiding innovations, those things which have no basis in the Quran and Sunnah. Those things which were invented later on, after the time of the Prophet, ﷺ, ضلالة, and every innovation is misguidance. Every innovation leads astray. The word bida linguistically it means a newly invented matter. Bid'a means innovation or something newly invented. The Sharia definition of Bid'a yani what does bid'ah mean in the religious connotation? It means a newly invented way, whether beliefs or actions, yani whether it's in our aqidah or in our practices, the way that we perform prayers or the way that we fast or otherwise a newly invented way, in beliefs and actions, in the religion, of religious matters in imitation of the Sharia, in imitation of the law of Allah by which nearness to Allah is sought, someone does some deed which is in imitation of the Islamic law, but not from it and they are seeking by that deed to get near to Allah not in worldly things, but in those things that is considered to be acts of worship that they hope to get near to Allah or to seek the pleasure of Allah by it and that thing is not supported by any authentic proof neither in its foundations nor in the manner in which it is performed And it has no basis in the Quran or Sunnah nor the way that it is performed can we find any proof for it in the authentic evidences of the book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet this is the definition that Al-Shatibi gave in his book Al-Irtisam Avoiding innovations is one of the great foundations and principles of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah and it involves having hatred for bid'ah. Yani it isn't enough for us to avoid it. Keeping away from it is one of the principles. Yani we should keep away from it. But not only keep away from it, we should also hate innovation. We should not be pleased with it or passive about it because innovation is the destruction of the religion of Allah. Whenever any innovation came, then something from the Sunnah would go away. So not only leaving it, or avoiding it, but also hating it. And not only hating it in our hearts, but warning people against it, warning people about it. Telling the people, whoever would listen, that this is something that has no basis in the religion, to warn them from it also, perhaps they don't know. And finally, it is also the right of the scholars, and not the right of the common people, to refute the innovators. And this is for the ulema or the scholars only to know about the innovations of those people, even to listen to them or to learn from them or to read their books in order to refute them. And this is not for the common people. The basic principle is that we should not sit with the innovators. We should not listen to them. We should not read their books. We should not take a word from them at all. But in order to refute them, it is for the scholars to know what they are saying, what they are doing, what they are believing in order to refute them. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah al araf chapter 7, verse 3, اتبعوا ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم ولا تتبعوا من دونه أولياء قليلا ما تذكرون. Allah orders us in this verse in the Quran to follow what has been revealed to you. That is the Quran and the Sunnah, the revelation that came to the Prophet We are ordered to follow it, that which has been revealed from your Lord أولياء, and don't follow anything else besides that of those people who we take for awliya we take them for friends or protectives don't follow anything that they came with but only follow that which has been revealed the revelation of Allah that is the Quran and the Sunnah قَلِيلًا مَّا تذكرون, very little or little is it that you remember the Prophet wasallam also said in the hadith which we mentioned earlier he said إياكم ومحدثات الأمور فإن كل محدثة بدعة. that be warned from those newly invented matters be warned from those things newly invented matters in the deen not in worldly things airplanes and automobiles and things like this but in the religious things of the deen be warned from those things فإن كل محدثة bidah. for verily every innovation or every newly invented matter is bidah, it is innovation. Every one of them, these are the words of the Prophet, ﷺ, without exception. Kulla bida. In another narration he said, Waqullah and Wa kulla that is, that every newly invented matter is bidah innovation and every innovation is leading astray or misguidance and everything of misguidance leads to the hellfire, as reported in the narration of An-Nasai from Jabir Ibn Abdullah may Allah be pleased with him and his father and Ibn Abbas أنهما, he also said as reported in the Sunan Al-Qubra of Al-Bayhaqi inna al-umur Allahi al The most hated or detestable of all affairs to Allah the most hated of all things to Allah is Al-Bid'ah. That means it is more hated than anything that you can imagine of sin or corruption. The most hated thing to Allah is Al-Bid'ah. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu he said, Kulu bid'ah wa in an hasana. That every bid'ah, every innovation is misguided. Even if the people in their minds, they think that it is something good. Now we can find many people who are doing some things in the deen, they consider it to be good. The way they see it, in their thinking, they said, this is a good thing, what's wrong with it? Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, may Allah be pleased with him and his father Umar. And he was of the closest of the companions of the Prophet wasallam in sticking to the way of the Prophet in everything that he did not only in that which might be considered as acts of worship but in everything of his practice to the extent that if the Prophet وسلم, was traveling someplace and he stopped for some reason just to rest or otherwise to relieve himself Abdullah ibn Umar if he knew about it he would stop in that place and do likewise he said that every bid'ah is dhalalah even if the people think that it is hasanah even if they think that it is good. And from amongst the tabi'een Ibn Musayyib, Sayyid Ibn Musayyib, Rahimahullah, it is reported that he saw a man praying after the tulur uh, al-fajr. He saw a man praying after the dawn, at the time of dawn. And that man was praying more than two rakah. And he was making ruku, yani, very long, lengthy ruku. And as you know, the prayer of dawn is two rakah and the sunnah or the sunnah rakah before fajr is also only two rakah. The Prophet ﷺ didn't legislate any more than that. Two rakah for sunnah and two rakah for the obligatory prayer of Fajr, the morning prayer, the dawn prayer. So Sayyid ibn Musayyib he saw a man praying at the time of dawn more than two rakah and making the ruku very long. And it is also reported that the Prophet sallallahu used to pray the two sunnah rakah of fajr, very brief, very short so Sayyid ibn Musayyib he prohibited that man from doing such the man said to him, Ya Aba Muhammad yu'azhibuni Allah ala salat yani, are you, why are you stopping me? will Allah punish me for making salat? am I doing something that Allah would punish me for? that you should stop me? faqal Sayyid ibn Musayyib said to him, la وَلَكِنْ يُعَذِّبُكَ عَلَىٰ خِلَافَ السُّنَّةِ that Allah would not punish you for Salat but Allah would punish you for being in conflict with or in contradiction to the Sunnah يعني for doing something of bid'ah, innovation even though you may think it's good even though you think it's good because you are making extra rak'ah and you are making the rak'ah longer but actually there is no reward in that which is in contradiction or in conflict or in opposition to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu not in doing more than it, or in doing it in any other way, although it may seem good to you. Also, the Imam, al hassan ibn Ali al-Barbihari, he said, in his book, Sharh al-Sunnah, Al be warned from the little small innovations. Be careful of those small innovations. Because the small innovations return. They are repeated until they become big ones. So also it was that every innovation, which was innovated in this ummah, in the beginning it was something small resembling the truth or resembling that which is right. Then those people who performed it, they were deceived by it, until they were not able to get away from it. Then those people, when that thing became great to them. As we find some of the people who are doing bid'ah today, they think that their innovations are very great. It became something great to them and it became <laughs> their religion that they worship Allah by. So they opposed the straight way and they went out of Islam. So beware, may Allah have mercy on you, everyone who hears the speech of anyone, especially from our time, that is the time of Imam and barbahari that was in the 4th century, in the beginning of the 4th century of the Hijrah and in our time now today, it is even worse He said, beware of what you hear from the people of our time and don't be in a hurry to take what you find the people doing or saying and don't practice anything until you ask and until you search and look and ask, did anyone from amongst the companions of the Prophet or our well-known scholars Say such a thing about this action, or about this speech, or about this belief. Then, if you found something from amongst the companions of the Prophet sallallahu verifying it, then hold on to it, and don't go past that thing which you found from amongst the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And don't prefer anything over it. In that case, if you did, you would fall into the fire. The great Khalifa. After. Uh, in the time of the tabi'een, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, rahimahullah, he said, لا عذر لأحد بعد السنة في ضلالة رقبها يحسب أنها هدى. There is no excuse for anyone who has fell into some misguidance. He has performed some misguidance. There is no excuse for him بعد Sunnah. After the sunnah is brought to us, there is no excuse for someone to fall into misguidance, to practice any misguidance. yahsubuhu annaha Hudan Thinking that that thing is really guidance. Because anything outside of the sunnah, or anything in, يعني, exceeding the sunnah, or not from, um, from the sunnah, or not based on the sunnah, then that thing in no way can be huda or guidance. It is nothing but balala. Al-imam uh, Malik, Ibn Anas, rahimahullah, the imam of the people of Medina, the imam of Daru Hijra, he said, من أحدث في هذه أمة شيئا لم يكن عليه صلاحنا فقد زعما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم خانا الرسالة. These words are so important. It is important that we understand the saying of Imam Malik here. Whoever innovates something from amongst this ummah that we didn't find, Amongst their predecessors or our early generations, meaning the companions and those who came after them, whoever innovates something new in this ummah that, di- that we didn't find our early predecessors following, فَقَدْ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ then that person, in practicing something that didn't come from the sunnah, he is by his action claiming that the messenger of Allah sallallahu Alaihi wasallam has not fulfilled his mission he has not delivered the message because Allah said that he has perfected the religion then if there is something that the people can bring newly and the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam didn't guide us to it that means the Prophet sallallahu wasallam didn't guide us to all that Allah intended for us to be guided to so this is a very dangerous claim for anyone to say that there is something good in that which has not been established from the Quran and the Sunnah and the way of the Sahaba. Imam Malik said that this claim is so because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Al Akmal dina kum al Islam because Allah said today I have perfected for you your religion and completed my favour on you and have been pleased for you to have Islam as your religion or your way of life. وَلَا يُصْلَحْ آخِرُ هَذِهِ أمة إِلَّا مَا صُلِحَ بِهِ أَوَّلُهَا Imam Malik finished by saying whatever wasn't considered a part of Islam at that time in the time of the Prophet ﷺ and his companions then it is not considered a part of this religion today it cannot be accepted if it wasn't with them then it is not a part of the religion and nothing will correct or purify or help or improve The last people of this ummah or the later generations, except that which was good for or purified the beginning of this ummah or the first generations, the companions of the Prophet. Whatever um, was good for them, it is good for us, and whatever it it wasn't for them, then also it is not for us. From amongst the companions of the Prophet, in closing, it is reported. From Abdullah ibn Mas'ud أنه, that he said some brief words of guidance that are of utmost importance and help us also to understand the great danger of bid'ah and the uh, superiority of sunnah. He said, al aw al إقتصادu fi sunnati khairun min al-ijtihadi fi bidati Ya'ani, even the one who does Moderately, something from the Sunnah, even in a small amount. In a moderate amount, Al Qasdu, Al Iqtisadu, Fis Sunnah. Whoever does something from the Sunnah, even if it's not so much, but only a moderate amount, it is better than the one who works very hard and strives and struggles in doing some acts of worship which are based on bid'ah. That is, the Sunnah, even if it is done in a small amount, is better than the one who worships feverishly. But that worship which he is doing is not from the sunnah, it is from bid'ah. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith of the Tabarani, in his book Al-Awsat, Al-Mujim Al-Awsat, he said in a hadith that is classified as sahih in the Sahih of Al-Albani, it is reported that the Prophet of Allah, وسلم, said, "Inna ihtajaza at an sahibi This is important for us to know uh, how dangerous is bid'ah. That Allah, verily, Allah, subhanahu wa taala, does not accept the repentance of an innovator. Yani Allah, He doesn't allow the tauba of an innovator. He doesn't accept it from the people who do bid'ah, unless that person leaves his innovation. Then this makes us to know that the one who does bid'ah, not only is he denied or deprived of the reward of his action, but even if he makes tawbah, as long as he continues in his bid'ah, Allah doesn't even accept his tawbah or his uh, repentance until he leaves the bid'ah. This is some of what we wanted to discuss today. These two are two of the great principles that the scholars of Islam have referred to in most of the books of aqeedah and in the books that explain to us the correct way of practicing Islam. Uh, I think that it is not enough time to go to the next point. In the next lecture, inshallah, we will talk about the abandoning of al-khusumat, that is controversies and abandoning of al-mirai wal-jidali yani arguing, disputing and controversy in the, de- in the deen and also not sitting with the people of ahwa yani the people of desires, those people who instead of following the text of Qur'an and Sunnah and the way of the companions of the Prophet وسلم, who want to follow their own opinions and go according to that which is pleasing to them even if it has no basis so insha'Allah in the next lecture we will uh, attempt to go further into the book and take um, this discussion of uh, of uh, yani avoiding controversy and avoiding sitting with the people of bid'ah, and uh, finally discussing the sunnah and the status of sunnah. And then, uh, in the following pages of the book, Inshallah, we will discuss some of those things that branch out or are based upon these principles, which he mentioned in the beginning of the book. Those things of our Islamic aqeedah that are based on uh, these foundations, usul or sunnah. This is what we wanted to say for today. Inshallah. If there are any questions, you can send them in writing. There's about five minutes remaining before the salat. Uh, if not, Inshallah, we will end here. With this point, allahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. And there is a question which has come to us, uh, if a group of people, or a group from amongst the Muslims, separate themselves into certain Jama'at, separate themselves into different groups, and they give their groups names, is this such as Sufis, Tabligh, etc., is this considered bid'ah? Uh, first, in brief, this uh, topic of separating, of the people separating, and it is the topic in and of itself, which we perhaps will discuss as we go through the book of Usulu Sunnah when we come to a point related to it. But uh, in brief, to answer the question, first of all, it is wrong for the Muslims to separate themselves into different groups. If the Muslims, if any group of people in a certain location, in a certain city, or town, or village, or area, organize themselves for the purpose of cooperation with the people in their masjid or their center or in their neighborhood to uh, call people to Islam or to do any kind of Islamic work or to work together and help each other in worshiping Allah. There's no harm in this. But they should understand that this kind of cooperation or grouping together is only for the purpose of cooperating with those who are near to them and it shouldn't exclude other Muslims who want to help them or to work with them or to call people to Islam. And it also should not prevent them from helping other Muslims who may be in another area, in another location, or in another association, where other people have joined together for the same type of cooperation. They shouldn't consider themselves as a separate sect, that we are some special people, we are different and separate from other Muslims. This is wrong. Because, first of all, the Prophet ﷺ warned us that this ummah would be divided into sects. And that means that this is something blameworthy because he said those people who divided themselves into sex would be in the hellfire yani they would be punished for dividing themselves into sex and separating the Muslims from the unity that we are supposed to have as um, yani, an, an, an ummah wahida uh, that's the first thing that this is something blameworthy the second thing is that these names that the people have called themselves also is something blameworthy because it is something that has no basis in the sharia yani whatever names they may call themselves by other than to call themselves Muslimun or Mu'minun or such things as we found uh, based on some proof from the Quran and Sunnah as the early scholars of Islam agreed to call ourselves Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah based on the fact that we are the people who follow the sunnah. The Prophet sallallahu told us, Alaykum bi sunnati. That is, it is obligatory on us to follow my sunnah, his sunnah, sallallahu So, to identify ourselves with the sunnah. And also, when the Prophet sallallahu said that all of those people who divided themselves would be in the fire except one. And they asked who he said, al-jama'ah. That means that it is those people who stick together based on the sunnah. Based on the revelation of the Quran and sunnah. So to identify ourselves with the Sunnah, and also to identify ourselves with the Jama'a, or those who stick together and don't separate themselves from the other Muslims, and those who follow the first Jama'a, that is the Sahaba, they were the first Jama'a, then there is no harm in such names. But even these names are not necessary, except in the case where the people uh, have deviated from Islam, and we just have to identify ourselves as not being from those deviant groups or deviant sects, then we might say that we are the Ahni sunnah al Jamaa and so on. But it, still it is better not to use such names. As for those names that we found the people after the first three generations and as we found amongst the Muslims today using such names uh, then these names uh, even if they may think it is something good uh, the basis of it is actually something evil and if we look at their beliefs that cause them to take on such names and their practices that cause them to take on such names we will find that those names indicate their deviation from the Quran and the Sunnah if we examine carefully their practices and their beliefs so it is not right for the Muslims to separate themselves but all Muslims should consider themselves part of the Ummah Islamiyah, the Islamic Ummah or the Islamic nation and uh, we shouldn't Uh, identify ourselves by such names that separate us from other Muslims nor should we consider ourselves to be separate from other Muslims except to the extent that we separate ourselves from those whom Allah is displeased with because of their innovation or their disobedience to Allah and that's another topic insha'Allah that we will discuss in the next lecture. The separation or the abandonment of being with or sitting with the people who deviated whom Allah is displeased with and whom Allah has blamed. That's another topic insha'Allah that we'll discuss in our next lecture insha'Allah. Okay, another question. If a person meets some Muslim and becomes their friend socially, not real close, and then you find out that they are from a deviant group, how should you treat them on a social level or on a Muslim level? Yani, if anyone meets someone an individual or group of people and they are Muslim and you become socially friends to them or whatever in any kind of way that you have a relationship with them whether close or otherwise and then you find out that that person has some incorrect beliefs or is practicing uh, some acts of worship that are not based on the Quran and Sunnah you should, how should you treat them socially you should treat them as a Muslim you should uh, treat them kindly, you should uh, try to yani, give them the rights that a Muslim is entitled to, and from amongst those rights is to advise them. The Prophet وسلم, said "Addeen deen nasihah so that means that one of the essentials of our religion is to give advice. And that advice is an obligation on whoever has the ability to do it. So if you don't know how to advise them or don't know what to advise them with, then you might try to find someone who can give you a book or a or someone who may be able to speak to that person and advise them. Uh, Because the person has some incorrect belief or practice, it doesn't mean that we should consider them out of Islam, unless what they are believing and what they are doing actually has been identified by the scholars of Islam as being the kufr or the practices that take someone out of Islam. Otherwise, we consider them as Muslims, and um, we should try to help them by advising them if they continue in their error or in their incorrect practices even after they have been advised and presented with clear proofs and made to understand then if we see that by staying away from them or boycotting them, we may help them and bring them uh, back to Islam then we should boycott them. But if we see that uh, uh, abandoning them would make the matter worse then we might still associate with them with the hope of trying to correct them, inshallah. There are two remaining questions, inshallah, and then we are going to pray. Uh, one question is related to you know, the previous point and something that we discussed in the lecture tonight. The question is Didn't, uh, As-salamu alaykum, no. didn't Abdullah ibn Mas'ud refuse even, even to listen to innovators uh, while he recited Al Quran? You know, it is true that um, many of the Companions of the Prophet sallallahu as well as those who came after them from amongst the tabi'een and the scholars of Islam Refused to listen to the innovators, to listen to a word from them Even when one of them uh, came to him and said Let me recite some Qur'an to you and he refused even to listen to the Qur'an For fear that perhaps they might even distort the Qur'an and that distortion might reach his heart and affect him Why then if, if, the, why then if the Islamic scholars are following the sunnah of the companions Ra, do they study the books, etc of innovators?, yani the studying of the books of the innovators is in order to protect the people from those innovations. There is no doubt that it is better to avoid listening to the words of the innovators uh, and avoid reading from their books or associating with them in any way. This is the best thing, but it is also incumbent, as some of the scholars have mentioned, it is incumbent on some of the people to uh, know what those people are saying and to know what they are doing in order to clarify for the masses of the muslims those deviations and those incorrect practices and beliefs in order to protect the people from them so this is an obligation not for everyone, it's not for the common muslims but it is for those people as we will discuss inshallah, in the next lecture that point will come uh, it is for those people who uh, whose Yani, Aqeedah is very strong, they understand the religion properly and thoroughly and know the proofs from the Qur'an and sunnah. And um, also who have the ability, yani not only who will be protected, who will not be uh, influenced by some of the doubtful matters that they might hear or they might read from the innovators. Uh, not only are they, would they have the ability to be protected from that, but also they have to have the ability to refute the innovations. If someone understands the Islam very well and they feel that that they can easily distinguish between that which the innovators have have innovated and from the the correct sunnah, uh, but they don't have enough knowledge to refute the innovators, then even then there's no need for them to read such books or to listen to their words because the purpose in listening to them or reading from them is to refute them. So the person should have two uh, characteristics. One, the ability to know right from wrong. Uh, so that they would not be affected or misled by those deviations, and two, they should have the ability to refute it, so that there will be some benefit in reading those books or listening to those people. Uh, Also, this is a topic, inshallah, that we will discuss in the next lecture, inshallah, but um, know for sure that, uh, as I said, the best position is that we should avoid listening to them or hearing anything from them or reading from them, and uh, only if it's a necessity and there's the ability for someone to protect the Muslim, should they do such. And the final question: Can you explain uh, the Sunnah can specify exemptions from a general in- injunction? And this is uh, a discussion of the uh, divisions of Sunnah and the role of the Sunnah um, in uh, explaining some things that uh, are general in the Quran, as well as uh, adding to the regulations or the rulings um, that are not found in the Qur'an um, as well as the Sunnah might clarify something that has been abrogated in the Qur'an and so on or the or the Sunnah might support something that is in the Qur'an one of the roles of the Sunnah is that it can take a general ruling in the Qur'an that is not specific and it can clarify uh some uh, exemptions from that general rule because the Prophet sallallahu was sent to explain that which has been revealed. So it is part of the role of the Sunnah uh, to explain the general injunctions if there are some exemptions from them. And inshallah also this is another topic that requires a detailed explanation. I don't know if we will cover it in, this, uh, in these lectures of Usul sunnah but uh, if there's any uh, point that came along where there's a chance for us to discuss it in more detail, we will do so. Otherwise, insha'Allah, perhaps in a separate lecture, we will discuss the sunnah and its role, uh, um, its uh, different roles, and, and particularly its role in reference to the Qur'an. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha ila anta astakruka wa alaikum